0: Hi everyone, it's Joe here from Lawn Solutions Australia and welcome to another episode of Turf Talk where today I'm joined by Josh Musket from Green Life turf Josh, how are you going? Good, that's good. That's, how are you? That's good. Good, thank you. So, Green Life Turf. Now, we're going to go into a little bit of history here, but this is the first musket that we've had on the podcast, and if anyone knows anything about the turf industry, there is more than one musket uh, in the turf industry in Sydney. It's a, it's a name that's synonymous with the Australian turf industry, but more in particular, uh, the, the Windsor region and the Sydney turf industry. But before we get into any of that, Josh, how about you tell us a little bit about Green Life Turf, where you're located, what kind of varieties
1: you farm, how big the farm is, et cetera? Yep. Um, yeah. So, Green Life Turf, we're located in the Hawkesbury, the Hawkesbury region. Uh, We've got uh, three three or four farms spread around the Hawkesbury region. Mm -hmm. We're about 200 acres. Um, We also have a property out in the Hunter region as well, Singleton, where we've got a 400-acre property out there, Mm -hmm. Uh, about 200 in production at the moment of turf. And, um, yeah, that that farm's a high land, so it's a a flood-free farm and Mm -hmm. a bit different water supply, water source there, but it's a nice production farm where we can, yeah, grow production turf and bring it down to the Sydney market. So it's an, enough land to keep you busy? <laughs> yeah, just a bit. <laughs> so the, And all your farms are on the Hawkesbury River in Sydney? Yeah, all on the Hawkesbury River. Mm-hmm. They're all back onto the river, um, most of them close, you know, maybe 10, 15 minutes apart from yep. each other. Yep. Um, yeah, they're all on the river there. We've got set up with laterals and mm-hmm. easy irrigation, mm-hmm. um, beautiful water source, and we grow... Just Main variety is Sowalta, then yep. they certified. Mm-hmm. We've got a bit of tough bit of Sir Grange. Um, and we've just planted another paddock of Australis, mm-hmm. the new paddock. So yeah. yeah, we'll grow all the sort of all the main varieties anyway. And are you a second or third generation turf farmer now? Uh be s- Third generation farmer, second generation second turf. Second generation turf yeah. farmer.
0: So let's get into the family side of things. So Green Life Turf is a family business that has derived from another family business, which was Green Line Turf originally. So just to give everyone a little bit of context as to how the, the musket family is ingrained with the Australian turf industry, why don't you start at the beginning and give everyone a little bit of a story about how how this all came about?
1: Yeah, well, I guess I'll start with my grandfather if you hear the word nun not grandfather now in, in where we come from in our background mm-hmm. so my grandfather he came to australia when he was 16 he's um he's the oldest of oh, God, i forget how many there is but there's a few of them <laughs> um, uh, from malta okay. from malta yeah. so he come from malta when he was 16 mm-hmm. come to this country didn't didn't know many people here didn't didn't have nobody here just he it, malta was going through a time where his he could see there wasn't a future for mm-hmm. his you know for the family coming through mm-hmm. um so my uncle's father encouraged him to to look elsewhere, and and yeah, decided to come over here when he was sixteen. Come by himself. By himself. Yeah, yeah he got on a boat. He, he traveled over here on a boat. And they take those days. It was a month on a on a on a boat to get here. Yeah. He said, "When he got here, he was young, didn't have a lot of money with him, but he's never had. Um, I think it was, I think it was a slushie or an ice cream, something like that. He's never, he's <laughs> never, never tried it back in Malta. And he said he got here and he, uh, Doctor Perf, and he ended up spending all his money on this bloody milkshakes or whatever it was, <laughs> milkshakes, ice creams, or whatever it was, and yeah. Yeah, he, he he loved it. Anyway, he got got into Sydney, started working in the ports in Sydney, um, doing that for a bit, always." Had had farming background back in Malta, mm-hmm. they were market gardens back in Malta, so farming was in his blood, in his history, and yeah, he used to see the market and garden trucks going to the markets in the morning, and he said, that's what I want to do, and that's what I want to be, so yeah, a couple of years went by. He um, purchased his first property with a, another mate in um, Kellerville mm-hmm. at the time, um, and that's where, that's where it all started, so they started market gardening, growing veggies uh, for the markets, and one- at the time, his then three brothers, he brought his three brothers over to Australia and they all moved over. So Nunn had set up the farm and yeah. his brothers and a few other family members ended up coming over here and they worked the market garden for, for a long time. So just growing- Just growing vegetables for the market. Cabbages, lettuces, yeah, whatever. They could, yeah. yeah, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, the thing about Nunn, the history and you know what I guess makes us muskets who we are is he's He's always had a quality eye for quality. Yeah, um, they've always he's always believed in growing quality product, um, and that's where how they they started, and that's how they sort of built a name for themselves was a quality product. Mm-hmm. Um, so fast forward a few years, there's a few different land purchases, and Nando bought his first farm in the Hawkesbury region, where we are now. Not where one where of my, where my uncles work right now, but um, yeah, where we are now, and that's where the, the sort of the farming land of the Hawkesbury come. And then, as my dad and his Gr- growing veggies in the Hawkesbury still growing veggies in yeah. the Hawkesbury, um, and then as my dad and his two brothers started getting, you know, they're eighteen, not to twenty or whatever mm-hmm. they w- whatever age they were, they'll get they'll grow up on the farm. They're always working the farm close with, with none mm-hmm. As they started to get into it a bit more, market gardening was sit and miss you'd mm-hmm. have good times you'd sometimes take a load to the market and you come back and you still a load on the truck yeah right. um, and mm-hmm. that was yeah you know, typical of those days yeah those yeah. days were having a lot of floods at the time mm-hmm. so you'll get a crop ready you know you lose the crop you know you're back to square one mm-hmm. very very harsh time for them. so they set out to look at some different farming or different prospects and dad and his Two other brothers started growing a bit of turf. So in the beginning, in the early days, or started green line days, mm-hmm. um, they started growing some turf. They had a couple of customers they were growing turf for, um, but they're still doing both turf and and vegetables. Right. Um, to, to do you know, know what what
0: ticked them into turf originally? Because um, it would have been a pretty new thing. It was a then, pretty new
1: thing. Um, there was only a couple of growers like in the area. Yeah. Um, their theory, well, I think their their main point was. I believe from from what Dad has told me over the years is in their head they thought maybe the turf will will hold up in you know, a floods better yeah because floods were were a big thing for the area yep. um and the other token of when the crop's ready, it doesn't actually you know have to be harvested or it doesn't have to be picked up whereas veggies once they're ready you, you got go. harvest them yeah whether you got sale for them or not yeah um so that was the the biggest i I think the biggest thing sure and just a bit, bit of difference and yeah. um yeah so that. Background of that family at uh, that the quality, quality growing sort of instilled with in dad and his two, two other brothers, and uh, they started Green Line Turf, and that went on for. Oh, they started in the early nineties, and. We ended up making – yeah, so we went to about 2008. Mm-hmm. So they worked it. They built a reputation on a quality product and they were you know, pretty respected within the within the So turf, that was Michael, Anthony, Charlie? Yeah. Yeah, three boys. Yeah, yep. th- three brothers. And then us cousins were all growing up on the farm, <laughs> running around the farm. So there's a lot of us. There was um, – <laughs> I've, I've got three – there's three of – I've got two other brothers that are in the farm myself. Um, Anthony's got three boys that were – you know, like ourselves coming up in, in the next generation mm-hmm. and the Charlie's got, um, uh, you yeah, know, Benny and, um, yeah, that was coming up in the turf. So yeah. there's a lot of us in in that, you know, that turf and we was always around it. Yeah. And, yeah, so in 2008, um, Dad and his uh, two other brothers decided to have a succession plan mm-hmm. um, to allow for us, the next generation, to to come through mm-hmm. um, and so they were a three you know a three way partnership um, back in the day of Green Line, mm-hmm. they divided the business up into three businesses. Mm-hmm. So dad and dad started his own business, which is we've got now Green Life Turf, mm-hmm. um, and my two other uncles both started um, yep. their own companies. Mm-hmm. So from from that they started the companies. They sort of shared up the they split the farms up, they split the machineries up, split the staff up, split the customer base up, oh, yeah. and um, yeah. So. I, it was a, a couple of years of planning. Yeah. Um, it was a fair bit of planning. I remember the day I actually got told about it. I was in the truck with dad, and it was um, yeah, I was in the truck doing deliveries because I, I used to always go with dad. I used to be dad's nav man in yeah. the truck doing deliveries. <laughs> so I was in the truck with him, and yeah, I remember him telling me what, what was going on. And still, the nice so I was only year eight at the time, so yeah. then you know, fully understand it. But yeah. now, you know, fast forward a few years, that yeah, what what they'd done then was allowed. Allowed us to out, yeah. My generation allowed us to come into something, work in in with the business, and absolutely. And um, yeah. yeah, like I said, my my grandfather, and it's always been, you know, you've just you get you get along, um, and that family bond is really really important. So yeah. you know, it was, we, we're all very close, all our co- all us cousins. Yeah. We, although we don't work together, we work very you know, closely together. Yeah, we're sure. All, we're very tight, sort of. Family, yeah. Um, so that what they have done, yeah. Two thousand eight of the succession plan was, well, I think, really good, and yeah, it's brought us to today. Yeah. Oh, it's a, it, it's a great story, and, it, and it's proven to be a,
0: a genius move in a lot of ways, hasn't it? You got three really good sustainable businesses set up now that are all doing a great job, and <laughs> um, it's it's given so much room for growth. I know even um, your brother Pat's even branched out again yep. uh, from that, so it's just created this opportunity for you guys to come into this, and it's really really cool. And um, you so you all. So you all work in different businesses, but you all get together Christmas time and that sort oh, of thing, don't you? Yeah. Like everyone's, yeah. We'll, and there's we'll there's get Christmas time or Saturday we'll yeah. go down to the pub every now and again. We've done it for all, but yeah. Yeah, we do do that. And there's great a lot of great grandkids now too, isn't there? So don't ask me the number. There's a the few. <laughs> yeah. There's a the few. Of. I was talking to um. Uh, one of your cousins the other day, and they had a, a anniversary dinner or something. They booked out. And I think they booked for like seventy five people or something like that. Just for immediate That's a family, event for It's a small event, is isn't it? For yeah. a multi <laughs> family. <but laughs> and, yeah. and and you then you just said you your dad's nav man when you were in year eight um, driving around in the trucks. What what has your life been like on the farm? Is this something you've always been into? Always had a passion for? Or is it something you come on? You
1: know, in your teen years, or it's just from day one? It was it. Uh, no, I've always had a passion for for the farm. Yeah, um, I've. Dad, when he was working with his two brothers, he's he used to do what I sort of do now. Um, mm-hmm. He used to do a lot of the interaction with customers, that sales side of things, um, like I said, in the truck. So I was always around that growing up. Yeah. I, was, I was always listening to him the way he talks on the phone. Yeah. My phone manner now, what I've picked up, I've you know learned that a lot off off the old man, and yeah. I've just always been around that and I've always loved it. And um, yeah, so I just yeah, I still love. I just loved everything about the farm. Mm-hmm. I actually. I was a bit little, a couple of years younger than uh, my two brothers. I got Pat, he's over 30 now. Justin's 30. Pat's like 31, 32, mm-hmm. whatever he is. And Justin's 30 and I'm 28. So I was... A little bit younger, yeah. Um, So they were both from growing up; they were both on the farms on Saturdays after school. Yeah, Um, and I was as well. But Saturdays I used to do soccer um, yeah. on a Saturday. Yeah, and I actually told Mum to quit it because I used to be annoyed that I come home and all the farm work was done. I could on the farm. <laughs> couldn't do so, anything. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just always been in my. It's just been on blood. It, it's a
0: it's a funny mentality because normally it'd be the opposite with a lot of people. They'd be annoyed they'd have to go and do something, but yeah. you annoyed it was all done.
1: Yeah, and I thought I was calling like you seven, talking, telling people how early I started that morning. <laughs> yeah. and, yeah, like it was a cool thing on the bus. and yeah, So you'll cool go thing. to work and then go to school? Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. Or if dad was had a busy day, oh, do you have anything more? No, 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 no. nothing <laughs> more <important> school. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep, no, it's
0: where you want me. Yeah, well, it's it's, it's, it's showing to give you a great grounding because one thing you all have in common is his excellent work ethic, which we're going to talk a little bit later about some of the stuff you've come and do. So it's...
1: At the moment, it's you, your brother Justin, who runs the farm yep. sort of thing. Yeah, he, he does the uh, farm side of things. Yeah, um, yeah, he does. He does all that. So farm, yeah, British farm maintenance of machinery. Yeah, and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I handle. The office side yep. of things, office, yeah, and the truck driving. Mm-hmm. I work out logistics. I do most of the sales, not so much sales, but just talking different, interacting with different customers yep. and yeah, dealing with our different clients. And, and
0: Michael and Alexandria, your parents, are they still day-to-day? or yeah, still
1: day-to-day. Mum's yeah. still in the office every day. She yeah. loves it. She's in the accounts and yeah. she does all that sort of thing. And dad, he's um, he, he we, he's got a uh, – the. Property out where he lives, yeah. um, got a bit of turf on there, so he yeah. we call it his baby now. And yeah, right. So he just he, he's happy to still working. It st- yeah. oh, still works. It still works hard. Yeah, he's, yeah. But he's um he's happy to uh, he does looks after that farm up there, and he'll jump yeah. in the truck when we, when he needs to be in the truck and. Will go back and forth from Singleton if he needs to be, but yeah, he, yeah. he usually is usually the one that's setting up farms or getting paddocks yeah, ready, right? And yeah, then, like I said, he's looking after his looking after his turf at home, which is which is good.
0: And your older brother Pat was probably the first one of your generation to to go again and branch out on his own. He's yep. doing his own thing with must turf. Yep, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. And he's doing some great things there. Pat. He's he is a, yeah, he's yeah.
1: a goer as well. He's a, he's a goer. He's yeah. got a, he's got a lot of ideas, and <laughs> me and Pat work closely. Like you know. I talk to Pat just as much as I talk to Justin every day, so it mm-hmm. really doesn't feel like he's separate. But yeah. you know he's branched off and do and his business. We still have Singleton together. Yeah, That farms um, between us still. Yeah, and that's um, our production farm for both both uh, both the companies. Yeah, um, so it works really well, and that's why yeah we we interact and do a lot of dealings with yeah, that. That's great. And, yeah. yeah. So that's and all.
0: single from a production point of view, Singleton compared to Windsor, is there a lot of difference between them? Or
1: yeah, look the biggest difference is the land and where it is yeah. um the singleton larger number beautiful land uh, but you're out of the flood yeah windsor you've got flood flood soil yeah so you can dig as far as deep as you want you're going to get this beautiful loamy soil structure yeah. you've got a really good water source in the in the hawkesbury river mm-hmm. yeah you know, you know, there's nothing like it around the country and um singleton it's a regulated water so yeah. they release water into river stream so water yeah. you know is a, is can be an issue there when mm-hmm. it gets dry mm-hmm. um but really good production land um but so it's a different ball game growing turf there than what it is in, in, yeah. in windsor yeah um but yeah, it's just one of those things you learn to adjust and you know your different soil types and one paddock and it's not what we're not what you we were used to at the beginning anyway so, so what you said there's interesting and will lead into
0: sort of my next point so the windsor region or the hawkesbury valley for those that don't know is is ideal growing country when it, it comes is. to turf. Yeah. It's like Josh just said, It's you can dig down as far as you want and you get this beautiful sandy loam. You've got virtually an unlimited water resource in a lot of ways with the mm-hmm. Hawks River and good quality water too. Yeah, beautiful. I'd uh, imagine. So it's ideal but um, not everything's rosy all the time. Mm-hmm. Part, part of the um, – the issue with farming on such great river plains or river flats is you're back onto a river that is susceptible to flooding. And I think a lot of you would have realized over the last sort of, I'll uh, say three to four years. Um, yeah, yeah, it's 2019, we got our first. 19 little. was the yeah. first one. So we hadn't had a, we, the Hawkesbury region hadn't
1: had a serious flood since the late 90s. Was that yeah, right? Yeah, we had a th- pretty much like a 30 year drought. So when, when my brother Pat was born, mm-hmm. that was the, I'm pretty sure he was born in a flood or mm-hmm. just around a flood. Yeah. And that was the last flood they had seen. Um, so back to what I was saying before about they started the uh, the turf at the time was a second crop to what they were growing the vegetables as yeah. a more sustainable flood you know, option. Yeah. They hadn't, since all the time had been turf, they hadn't actually experienced what, firsthand oh, a turf through right. the flood and was only, only until, like I said, 2019, 2020. Yeah, probably 2020 was that when it hit the far, over the, our farms anyway yeah. and, yeah, it's when we experienced it in that whole time, the first time of, wow. of a flood over I turf. Yeah,
0: I didn't even comprehend that. That was the yeah. first
1: flood you've had first on the actual turf, turf crops yeah. and
0: this is, it was devastating for those that, that obviously saw it, it was all over the news, but for those that didn't, can you provide us with just a little bit of context about What actually happened? I know there's been a few floods since then, but the first one, for example, what happens, obviously what rain event happens and how the Mm -hmm. flood actually comes to, but also the effect it has on the crop, the effect it has on your machinery, the effect it has on your offices, Mm -hmm. everything like that and what the recovery is like. I know that's got a a lot of parts to that question, but if you want to just take us through what that was like for you guys.
1: Yeah, so look, growing up, you Floods were a big myth for us. It was just we always heard about it. We knew, you know, mum and dad and you know, not talking about it. We knew this, we knew what floods were, we knew yes. what they're all about. But never really could understand until we, until we experienced it firsthand. But yeah. you know, with with the floods in our area, um obviously with the oh, it's we run off the, the Warragamba catchment. Mm-hmm. So the the Nip- Warragamba flows into Nepean and Hawkesbury River. Um so where you can you can get a lot if you get a lot of flood in the right areas in the catchment. Spills the dam over, and that's generally when you cause get a big flood when the dam gates spill over. Um, and obviously, there's a, you know, a lot of rain, and the water has to go somewhere. So all that water runs through through the Hawkesbury Nepean Hawkesbury River system, and out it ends up at the ocean. Um, so with that, when you get a lot of rain, you get a lot of local rain, you get a lot of um, you know catchment rain yep. fills up the river. The river has a lot of bends and turns and different places through it. The way, what does the biggest damage is not just this slow release of water that comes up and you know, goes over the farm, comes down. Because obviously, Warragamba Dam's got to catch water, it's got to, got to store water, and they can't run out of water in the dam. So, the way it's managed to, to date, the way, they, the way they do it is even if there's a bit of rain forecast and for a certain range, they won't draw down water. Because um, they need to catch as much water as they can, yeah. So they'll they'll you know catch as much water as they can. The way this, the dam works, once it gets a certain point, it spills over. Mm-hmm. Once it spills over, if you continue to get a heap of rain, that water just has to go somewhere, yeah. And once that dam gates open, mm-hmm. we got about seven hours before we see it at our property, and then seven hours, about seven hours from yeah. the dam gates opening. And generally, when that happens, it's you know, flood time, yeah. And you'll just it, it, this the 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 force the water comes down because it has so many kicks and turns and every single flood is different it's yeah. very very hard to to understand exactly what they do and the way the water comes down depending on how much rain you get how much yeah. local rain how much water come is coming out of the dam all depends on the velocity of the water coming down the system mm-hmm. and you know the amount of damage that it actually does to the property. so what ticks into
0: your mind when you see all these things coming together and you go a flood's coming what's what's green life turf what's the turf farmer's instinct straight away is it to just to get everything out? Is that kind of what your process is? Yeah,
1: it is, yeah. Um, we, when we, when we do a bit of rain around, we'll, we'll be monitoring, we we'll see a bit of rain. First thing we go and check is our pumps because that's our lowest part. Yeah, they're low to the river, mm-hmm. um, the pumps. And we go, and we use that as a, as a guide. Mm-hmm. So we gotta put a stick out when the river's coming up, check how quick it's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and depending on how quick it's coming determines what, what we need to do. Mm-hmm. We'll start packing, cleaning things up around the sheds, you know, putting things on pallets, just making things neat. Mm -hmm. so if you know it does go flood time we have to get out Mm -hmm. it's a quick it's a quick as possible process yeah um so we'll start doing that a couple of days you know before flood. purely for the fact that we've had a lifetime history in the area yeah we understand how quick and how dangerous they can be yeah if you're not prepared so we'll start preparing and these days we have a lot of a lot of different little you know a lot of different machinery a lot of things to clean up around the shed so it it is a massive job Mm -hmm. to do um so we'll start we'll start packing up and Generally, most times when we've evacuated for floods, it's usually at you know, 10 o'clock at night or some yeah. random time at night because we hope in our head that it doesn't go up or it's not going to go. Yeah. Um, so we'll we'll be, by, we'll be looking at the local weather um, mm-hmm. and we've seen there's a of rain locally. Mm-hmm. It's not always a, you know it's not always going to cause a flood just the local rain. What our biggest thing is the dam. So if the dam if we get notified that the dams open at whatever time 10 o'clock. We ring everybody up and it's or or yeah everyone gets to the farm and it's just yeah go 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 and how how long can you can you get yourself cleaned out oh like look, how long does it take every last the last flood we started at ten thirty at night. At 5 o'clock in the morning, we were evacuated. Oh, wow. Okay. So but the time we went through, so it's not just a machine, that really, you jump in a machine and um, drive it or, or move it. Yeah. You've got all your fertilizers that's on pallets. That all gets stacked onto onto trucks. We've got offices in the flood. So yeah. the way our office was built, all our furniture rolls out on wheels. Yeah. they get stacked onto a pallet. Yeah. So. Pretty much the whole office is decked out. It's all concrete. It's all just brick stuff. So after the flood, we can clean it out. Yeah. Um, so all the, the furniture, all the timber stuff that's going to get damaged in, in a in a flood is all then put onto a truck and taken up to high ground. Yeah. That process itself is you know, a lot of work. All the computers, yeah, everything yeah, packed up, yeah. put it onto the truck, load it up. All the fertiliser, all the bits and pieces, whatever we can't take off off the farm, um, we prior to racking and sheds and, and stuff like that. And how many times did you have to do this process in the last three years? Uh, 20 and, uh, yeah, 21. Last two years, we've done this major pack-ups. So It'll be four times. Wow. Yeah, four yeah. or five times. So it's yeah. just
0: a pack-up. It's the putting back in then too afterwards, yeah, isn't it? putting back in and and, <laughs> and so the flood comes. So your office, um, a lot of people won't know what your
1: office looks like, but it's a two-story building. The flood came into the top level, didn't Yeah, they? the last last flood, it didn't come to the top level, it just was about, you know, 10 mil, 10 mil off the yeah. off the, the bottom of the... Top so level. we're talking metres of water on top of your paddocks. Yeah, so that was, um, I think it's about two, two and a half, three metres yeah. of water on, so on top of the farm, yeah. You go from place to place in boats and jet skis. Yeah, well, I could actually I mean. get to the second story on a boat. I jumped yeah. into the second story of our office while a boat, jumped <laughs> over the railing into a boat, so yeah, it's... it's right. it, when you... Like I said before, when you you hear the stories, but just experience it first, I remember the first time being on that boat, it was just uh, this gut-wrenching feeling. Yeah, that I can imagine. You're, you're literally driving, you're on the boat and you're, the water's that high, the, the high voltage power lines, you're going underneath high voltage power lines and going in trying to find areas where the lines are higher from the water. You're literally driving under these power lines, you're driving over sheds that were there, you're, you, you, you can be, the boats can be almost going over sheds, you're- it's just such oh, a right surreal, right. surreal feeling. It's this like a big open ocean. That's When you're out there, it's a big open lake, and that's when you're out there on a boat, and it's just so hard to understand and comprehend. Be what, it be it's, yeah, devastating. It's, it's crazy. It's a crazy feel. And it's how long the water stay there for? So you've got, you got a couple of days, three or four days. And so from my understanding is the water
0: obviously is an issue, but I think the bigger issue is what's left once the water subsides.
1: I know that first flood, yeah. there was a lot of silt on your paddocks. you want yep. to
0: explain a little bit about what happens there? Yeah. So
1: when the water goes back down, um, you get all the the silt from the river and obviously around the place that settles. So when the water goes back down, that silt layer comes on top of the turf and, and literally the turf, you go on it, there's no green left. Look a beautiful, ready-to-harvest mm-hmm. turf, no no green left at all. It's this black mould, that you know, silty grass. How thick would it be? Is it like- yeah, uh, you you won't see a leaf of grass? On yeah, right. That's, okay. You know, yeah. In the in the worst case, you won't see a leaf of grass, and yeah. in your lower parts of the areas where the drains are, yeah. that could be you know it could be a week or so underwater, and by the time the water actually gets gets away, it it's black. It's like brotted yeah. the turf and. Usually after the flood it gets a bit of sunny weather, you yeah. start getting some heat, and so then all of a sudden you get hot, heat hot on the water. Yeah, it helps cook it all, and it's just a surreal feeling. What does a lot of the damage is when the banks break, and due to the way the, the amount of force that comes down that river, it's not just this little bit of water that comes up and goes mm. down. The force of the water coming through, it, it just takes away the banks, and wherever because it has so many kicks and turns in the river system. Yeah, if it comes to a certain certain area and you know, it it can't go, keep going down the the system properly. Mm. It'll just break break through farms and there's been farms that the water will cut through, cut the banks, take all the dirt with it and just make this big erosion, pulled out roads. Uh, Our road got pulled out twice. We lost probably about five acres of riverbank land We're just pulled it out. We've got an old barn there that's, you know, 200 years old. Whatever this barn is, it's built by the convicts, this Mm. old barn, and that all got washed away, all the... All the, rip, all the dirt around it got washed away, and that was days after the event. And that's the after a flood, the, the worst part is the, the most dangerous part is the riverbanks, and that could be a week after, two weeks after the flooding's gone down. So you come in to work the first time you're able to access it.
0: Where do you start? What do you do? Because your paddocks are toast.
1: Yeah, so the first thing you do, you don't even look at the paddocks. Paddocks yeah. you can't look at for, for a while. Yeah. First thing we do is in the office because while that silt's wet, It's easier to clean. Once it dries up, it stains everything and and does some damage. So we should get all all the help we can, get our guys in, and it's in there with pressure cleaners and brooms and squeegees. And um, yeah, we're just pumping pumping water. And literally, the office is built all concrete, all like brick brick walls. So go with the hose scrubbing and just scrub or squeegee all the, the silt out of the office to clean all the tiles and all that so it doesn't dry yeah then we start with the sheds same yeah. thing get the you know the, the inch the inch layer of um silt off the off <sighs> the, the concrete floor. floors yeah. um that's when you go in the sheds and you're you know you've got cool rooms pulled apart when ripped apart with the floods you've got you know damaged buildings yeah. uh, damaged the sheds and you just start cleaning you, you get a skip in, you start. in, Chucking stuff out, that's no good. You get machines in to scrape out silt, or everywhere's just this big silky. Is the silt? Can you use it
0: for anything once you got nah, it? Or just, it's
1: just just this, it's just, just wet slush. that's I talk. It really is. And what happens to your paddocks? Are they are they gone or are they recoverable? Oh, some look, depending on where you are, depending yeah. on how bad. Some are, some some are recover. it still today. There's no right answer. So what happens to the paddocks afterwards? Yeah, right. it's, it's very hard, depending on the flood, depending on how kind and how mean it wants to be to us, yeah. and every paddock's different, so yeah. you know, we, we've we had a big dint to our production mm-hmm. fire to that because um, we had their you know thirty acre paddock that was gone and once you lose a paddock with the thing about turf is you've got 12 months before yeah, you regrow yeah. it if the paddock's in good condition and yeah. you don't have to do any major levelling works or major works to fix up the damage and mm. for us in our situation we had to we had to reshape this paddock because the drainage didn't work to improve the drainage for, for a future flood. Yeah. So- We've done that process, and you can't start work. The ground's that saturated. You can't start work for sometimes a month or two afterwards yeah, okay. until so the ground you're just actually dries. Yeah. You're just looking at it, and there's nothing you can really do to it. And you just got to let it be, and clean up the sheds, and start rebuilding around you. Yeah, and yeah, just just. Play for the turf and see what comes through, and, and then you start start again. So one's bad enough, but to have this happen was it three times we in had, the end? Yeah, the last two years about four. So we had four, like four, four major ones, um, different lower areas in the in the region. They yeah. would have got a couple more, but from yeah. my from my particular farms, I had it four times, and I think there was three entered the sheds, and one time just got one of the, the lower part of the paddocks.
0: Yeah. So obviously the financial impacts of this are huge, mm-hmm. um, but I'd imagine on an equally significant star would be just how mentally draining it would be for you to come yeah. back and go, oh, here we go again. We start again. But it's a credit to you because you're obviously very resilient. People, uh, turf farmers are in that region. You have to be, but the way mm-hmm. you guys bounce back every single time with, from what we see, minimal fuss is a credit to you. But like what kind of are you just 24 7 are you around the clock in those situations getting it back or yeah pretty much yeah
1: pretty much it's um look it is what it is it's yeah. it's one of the perks of living in the floodplains. you've got yeah. this beautiful farming land and yeah. look we it, it's just one of those things you have to do so there's yeah. no use um it's no use crying over spilled milk that's the yeah. best way of putting it you just yeah. get in get the job done and uh, the quicker you can get in and turn your paddock over and get get a quality product back out the door yeah. the better better everything off lc is so it's uh, it's very very mentally draining yeah. you know we're, we're pretty resilient but you know probably good age where we can handle the resilience but yeah just a mental strain that you know you see puts on you know obviously mum and dad puts yeah. on all of us and yeah. just this yeah just it's sick 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 feeling oh, it's, it's, it's um yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty crazy to be quite honest well, yeah. um you had, a, you had a long run without them then, and then
0: they jam them all in. But that's what the statistics showed, I think, over mm-hmm. the, the years of data is you'd get nothing and then you'd get a cluster of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think you're going to get one this oh, look, you, know. By, you never by know by a look but, of it,
1: you? But, Yeah, that's just the that's just way why it goes. It's, mm. yeah you know, with 30, 27, 30 years, whatever it was, we had a yeah. good break from it. Yeah. We experienced them now. Yeah. It is what it is. We'll get another flood. It's not going to be the last time we see a flood. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like anything, you just got to rebuild. And, look, it gives you you got to look at the positives. It gives us an opportunity to improve the paddocks. Um, for us, we got a, a paddock that we would have wanted to, we a 30 acre block there that put a new sort of watering system up there, and we wanted to pull it out and have a chance to re level it and regrade it yeah. and fix up all the drainage. Yeah. And with the, the demand and the production, there was never a time where we could. Yeah, you know, afford to have the grass off the ground yeah. to be able to have that whole thirty acres empty because this this happened through COVID as well, didn't it? Yeah, it so yeah. demand was through the roof. It was,
0: yeah, yeah demand it's... was
1: through the roof. So, you know, we just we gave us the opportunity to to relevel, reshape it, regrade it, yeah. fix up our drainage. Um We'll be we'll cut first paddock from first pallet from there yesterday. So, all oh, right back back into that paddock. But look. Yeah. It, it, yeah, you rebuild, you learn, and you just do what you have to do. Yeah. The, the first year after cutting the flood is is never the best, but it um yeah, it'll. You know, at the end of the day been, we've, just got a, we've got a quality product that we've got to get out there and yeah. we do whatever we have to do if it means you have to help paddock in to get a quality product to the customer that's all do that it. matters for us at the end of the day and oh, that's what we do
0: so. there's a lot of people that would have given up by now I reckon so it's a it's a credit to you like I said your resilience is just we talk about it here all the time it's it's mind blowing what you have done um, I think it's a really cool story and if people want to check it out you can obviously just google the Hawkesbury floods of the 2020, 2021, 2022 and, and see the damage first because it will blow your mind how much water was actually on these pages it's it's pretty crazy but we'll get away from that it's a it's a it's a really important story to talk about but it's a it's not the nicest one either (laughs) like I said it it is what it is it's It's part of of who we are and part of what we do so and just just away from all this obviously turf's a big part of your life but it's not everything in your life yeah yeah. (laughs) It's questionable. <laughs> That's questionable yeah. Most people that I ask this question to that Don't have the last name Musket say saying that But anyway no,
1: um, You got a young family? Keeps you it. busy? Yeah, keeps me busy I've got um, a beautiful wife I've got uh, two boys and a girl Nice So yeah, my oldest is he would be five at the end of the year yeah. Daniel, he's, uh, he's He must be three or four Whatever he yeah. is And yeah. Caitlin, she just she's Three just or come. four Whatever he is, yeah <laughs> Caitlin, she's coming on to two And yeah, she's my little boss baby That Yeah one. <laughs> Do you so,
0: see the same kind of passion that you think you had as a kid with them when they uh, look at it? They're or?
1: very, very young still. I suppose, um, yeah. yeah, look, it, if it, it's nothing I'm going to force on them. Yeah. Um, it's, um, it's a great family story, and
0: like I said at the start, the Musket name is entrenched in the Australian turf industry, and you're all such lovely people, hardworking people, and they grow great grass. So. Um, it's a cool story. Green Life Turf, if you want to check them out, you can check them out on socials and also on their website, greenlifeturf.com.au And if you need turf in the Sydney region, I'd imagine they'd be able to sort you out yep, good with, sure some, okay. with, with some good quality turf. But, um, mate, awesome story. It's a credit to you again, what you have done and what you're okay. going through. And, and thanks for sharing it with everyone on here.
1: No, thank you. Thank you very much. Cheers.
0: Cheers. How's 10 out of 10, oh. Joshua.